Would you look at this? Oh, would you look at this? What is this, a pony? <laughs> no. The greyhound. That's a dog. That's a greyhound. Oh, would you look at this? <laughs> Come on, Bonnie, you can do it. <laughs> would you look at this? He's running. <laughs> Hello, look at him. Just look at him. Oh, look at him. Look at him always. You know, when I see a car like this, first thing I do is I say, would you look at this? You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Oh, would you look at that ocean? Just look at that ocean. Just look at it. Just look at it. Just look at that ocean. Just look at it. Are you training for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? No, it's not me. No? You're looking for a trainer for There's supposed to be a guy that's training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They told me to come down and, and I'd be able to get in shape. Oh, he's so handsome. Look at him. Just look at him. Oh, wow, would you look at this? He's got the little uh, the bells oh, and yeah. whistles, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I could hear it coming. Yeah, <laughs> look at him. Oh, look at you. Look. Oh, would you look at this? They're waiting for the bus. Just look at him. Just look at it. They're waiting for the bus. Mm. <laughs> On a beautiful day like this, all you can do is just look at it. <laughs> Listen, I got pulled state. over in Jersey twice for not wearing a seatbelt in the passenger oh, seat. Yeah. In the passenger oh, seat. Really? And got a $40 oh, ticket. Yeah, I right, said, we'll would see. you look at that? That's one of those videos that, like, when you're on Instagram or on, on Facebook and it, and it comes on, it's like tap for sound. I'm like, eh, I don't need to. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I don't need to hear that again. That is annoying. I can't believe someone thought that that was me dressed up in a wig. So mad about that. <laughs> There's these people in the world, right, that you, you've heard of, and when you hear about them and you know about them right now, you're like, th those people are so successful. I mean, those people are just so good at what they do. They're the best of the best. I mean, if you think about any industry across the world, there's a couple names that just rise to the top that kind of overshadow all other names in order in terms of success and, 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 and being, uh, having the impact that they can have in the world, and, and, and maybe all of us one day aspire to be that, and it's one of those things where you, you might hear, like, you could be the next, and then you fill in this person's name, and whoever that, that person's name is, you're like, oh, man, if I was the next that person, then, wow, that would be, I would really be something. I mean, names like Bill Gates, right? When you hear about Bill Gates, you're like, wow, I mean, what a guy that just, like, he, like, changed everything, and he's, I think, the most wealthy man in the world now, and he has made such an impact on every single one of our lives have been affected by him, and you're just thinking, wow, what a success story. What a success story when you think about Bill Gates. Now, what do you don't know about Bill Gates and about some of the other names I'm going to show you that, that, that might be that, that fill in the blank, like if I was the next so-and-so, is that these people, um, before you knew them, before I knew them, before the world knew them, experienced tremendous failure, tremendous failure. Uh, Bill Gates started multiple companies that failed before Microsoft, multiple. He went into bankruptcy, and he was a failure. He was the laughingstock because he went and invested in these three companies and none of them worked and then he tried again and tried again and it was like he was a failure and then after he just kept going is when he finally gained traction but he went through a lot of failure to get to the, be the person that we know him today. Another person is George Steinbrenner, right? Owner of the New York Yankees. You might think, man, does it get more successful than that? You know that George Steinbrenner owned a basketball team in the 60s called the Cleveland, I think the Cleveland Pipers. 
In the 1960s, he owned a basketball team, and he destroyed that basketball team. His business decisions, he had huge failure. And then throughout the 70s and the 80s, he had multiple failures in terms of business. Then finally, he got his hands on the New York Yankees, and they were going to kick him out several times because of the decisions that he made. And then after 15 years, you know he had six championships, and now we all know him as, wow, George Steinbrenner. But George Steinbrenner went through tremendous failure before he became the George Steinbrenner that you and I know him today. Uh, Walt Disney, right? I mean, we all love Walt Disney. I mean, anyone that's live right now or been alive for a little while knows Walt Disney is, he's the name, right? Is there a bigger name in entertainment and family fun? No, not at all. I mean, this guy, he changed everything. Do you know that he was fired from a newspaper because he was told by his boss that he lacked creativity? And then he went and started his first comic. It was called Laughograms, and he started that, and it failed. And then finally, he moved to the West Coast, and he started to make these little short movies, and it started to take off, and now he's the Walt Disney that you know him today. But Walt Disney didn't get where he was until he had tremendous failure. You can go look up any of these names on the Internet and just say, you know, great failure stories. These guys' names come up because you would never think you would never think that they had that kind of failure. Uh, Milton Hershey actually went to college with a Hershey boy, one of the Hershey boys. Uh, so we called him Hersh. He, he was a guy that we, we, uh, we spent time with, and he was a descendant or you know, relative of, of the Hershey. Milton Hershey, he started several candy companies that failed before he became the, the, the owner, the operator, the, 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 the patriarch of the Hershey Corporation. I mean, several of them. So all that chocolate, like you would have never had that because he went through tons of failure. But there was something that just kept him going, something that kept him moving. And you see, when we look at industry, we look at the world, the world around you, your, your industry, the world that you might work in, even in school and sports, whatever you, you might look at. We have all these people, right, that were like, man, you know, you, you, you got to just push through. You got to just be, um, you got to be just okay with failure in order to be successful, right? And you can kind of like hang your hat on that omen. I was listening yesterday to a 10-minute uh, a video on Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he talked about how he believes that the mind is more important than the body. And he just talked about how, you know, the, the thing that's going to separate you is whether or not you're willing to fail, he said, because I would go to the gym every single day when I was a bodybuilder, and I would know that I was going to fail. But I would go for five hours knowing that I'm going to push as hard as I can, and if I just keep going to the point where I fail, then my failures will get higher and higher and higher, and I'll make more impact. And he learned all this stuff about failure and success in bodybuilding, but then he took to movies, and then he took to being a governor. Now, you can be like, oh, well, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, of course that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course he's successful. He got there because he learned the, the process of failure, how to live a life with failure and to keep going. Now, when you look at people like that, it's one thing, right? And what's their motivation and how they keep going and maybe it's good or maybe it's bad or what, how do they get through failure? And you can find all kinds of different ways to get through failure. But what about when you fail at your faith? What about when God says, here's the objective, here's the goal, here's what you're supposed to accomplish, and then you say, okay, God, I'm going to put my, my faith in you, and then I'm going to make decisions based upon you, but what happens when you fail at doing what God has asked you to do, and your faith fails? Now it starts to become, whoa, it's like, 
God, you know, God, like I can fail people and I can fail the world and I can figure out all kinds of motivational things and, and I can listen to great people like, like this that, that have gone through failure and failure and failure and then achieve success and that can keep me going because you know what, I can, I can work through what they think, but God, what do you think when I fail? It's a different ballgame, especially if you believe in God. I had a great, great failure and I have a lot that I could share with you. I mean, we could just do a series on failure, one story after the other. One, one way that I failed uh, was one time I took a group of kids to a camp not far away. I was a student director, and I took this group of kids to camp. And, you know, my heart has always been and always will be for kids that didn't grow up in the church and don't have a relationship with God. That's like where I start. Like I just like want to spend time with those kids. And I love the kids that know God and follow God, but I'm always challenging those kids to have a heart for the kids that don't know God. Like that's just the way that I'm wired, okay? So I have this like hypersensitivity to kids that don't know God. And then when you get on top of that, I do not like to impose rules, regulations upon kids that don't know God before they have a relationship with God. So it's a whole rules before relationship equal rebellion. So I'm all like, we got to love them. We got to show them that they're loved. We can't give them a bunch of boundaries and borders because then they're just going to run away from this thing. I mean, who wants to have a relationship with God if we just say, here's a list of do's and don'ts? So I take this group of kids to camp, and we go in there, and uh, all the camps that I've been a part of before, um, you were allowed to wear, like, bikinis. Girls were allowed to wear, like, two-piece whatever. They were allowed to wear whatever. And I never told them one way or the other, but we got to this camp, and if they would have told me beforehand, like, what the dress code was, I would have been fine to say, hey, guys, let's wear a one-piece, whatever. But we get to this camp, we have all these kids that don't know God, and we go, and they all start jumping in the pool. And this, these people come around with whistles. You're not allowed to wear a two-piece. You're not allowed to wear a two-piece. And, I, and I'm, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, there's one, one girl in particular, doesn't know God, doesn't have a relationship with God. She just came to camp. It's a church camp. And you're going to tell her she's not allowed to wear a two-piece. And she wears a two-piece all day, every day. And, you know what I mean? That's, that's like the way she is. I'm not going to tell her first. I'm not going to impose those rules upon her. And so uh, if you would have told me before, I could have had like a really nice conversation with her and said, hey, you know what, this camp, like wear your one piece because, you know, we're going to do a lot of game. I don't know. Like that's what my mind thought. But like I didn't want to go up to this, these kids and be like, you guys are not allowed to do that. And then they were coming around blowing whistles at them. The whistle's like, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you because you're wearing a two-piece. That's what I'm hearing, right? So then my ire starts to race. And I just, I just went off on these people with the whistles. I just went off on them. I said, you just be quiet. Leave them alone. And they were like, oh, we've been trained. I mean, they were seriously deadly. They had like red shirts on. I mean, fanny packs. It was out of control, right? So they're like, no, you cannot. And so then I go, I go okay, fine. Just l let me deal with it. Let me deal with it. So I pull them all, all the kids out. I say, hey, guys, just go and, and, and put on, you know, uh, a t-shirt right because we'll just have fun and we'll just manage and I'm sorry I, I didn't know and it's totally my fault I should have told you and they're like oh whatever so they all go and put on t-shirts then they go jump in the pool and the, the whistleblowers come back <laughs> the law the rule was you have to have a one piece it, it, you can get that that t-shirt can get sucked up into the mechanism I'm going, wait a minute, what, what's the spirit of this thing? Like, aren't we trying to cover up the midsection here? Like, they're doing it. They don't have it. Like, they need to drive 15 minutes to Walmart and get a one-piece. <gasps> I about lost my mind. And in front of the kids, I went off on them. 
I was like, you guys don't know what following Jesus is all about. This is BS. I mean, I just went crazy. And the kids are like, whoa. I'm like, just go. Daddy will take care of this. So I'm just like going off on the camp directors. And then the, the boss comes down from his ivory tower. And he pulls me in. And I get in a conference call. You just got to understand, like me now in a conference call in a room with chairs and there's a desk and then there's chairs. I just want to lay on the ground and put my feet on the wall. What are we doing? This is fake work. Can we have a real conversation? (gasps) Joel, sit down and be quiet. They get all my bosses from the church I worked at on the phone. And they all just like are like, what's going on? And I'm like, there's no way to be like diplomatic when you're mad on a conference call. I wish I could yell, but you wouldn't be able to hear me. So the speaker doesn't work. So I'm going, I this and I this, and I just fought. I fought, man. I was just relentless. These kids don't know God. Just let them go. Let it be. Wait till the last day, and then we can have this conversation. And my bosses were just trying to, like, simmer me down. Joel. They said, I remember through the phone, Joel, it's okay. And I was like, oh, I disagree. So then I get in a fight with my bosses through conference call in front of the camp directors. And I'm just going off, and then my leaders, my boss, had to come to the camp and corner me and put me in, the off, in an office and tell me to settle down. And they were like, Joel, there's a bunch of great things that can be going on right now, and you're focused on this one deal. Come on, you got to learn to pick your battles. And in so many words, they sat there and like, come on, man, you just ruined half a camp, half a day of camp. And I just got sick. Kids didn't care. You know, kids, right? Put on a, whatever. I mean, they don't really care. I, I totally missed the point. And at that point, I lost the trust of my leaders. They were like, he's a hothead. There's no way he's taking another trip. And they left someone else with me on the rest of the, of the camp trip. So I had a babysitter. <laughs> Imagine me with a babysitter. Now I'm doing exactly what I didn't want the camp to do. I'm breaking all the rules. And it was a failure. It was like, oh, and I thought to myself, I'm a horrible youth director. I didn't do what my bosses said. I didn't understand the spirit of the situation, and I just failed. And they just they lost trust in me. And honestly, I didn't work there much longer, and it was because of that. It was because they just kind of viewed, like, they kind of put me in a category, and it was like, he doesn't get it. He's not going to be able to manage this kind of stuff. And it was a failure. And what I've learned, and what I just want to, like, slide across the table to you guys, is that on the faith journey, when you're trusting God, when you're trying to do what God says that you're supposed to do, your faith will include failure. You see, you can get in a lot of trouble if you think that there's faith and then you move out of faith when you fail. But that's not the case. Faith is a journey of trusting God and then moving back to trusting God when you stop trusting God. But in the whole process, you're gaining traction in faith. So if you ever get duped into thinking that because you failed, now you no longer have faith in God, that's a lie. That's not the truth. And this is not a day where I'm going to stand and tell you, you have the freedom to fail. You don't need permission for that. It's going to happen. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail again. We're all going to fail. What I want to give you permission today is to keep trusting God 
Keep putting your faith in God when you fail. When you fail, continue to go back to God and trust him that it's okay. You see, week one, I talked about how faith in God means you make decisions based upon what he says. And then week two in this series, I said faith in God is an unfair fight. It's difficult if you do it alone. And that God gives you the Holy Spirit. But what can happen is as we go through our lives and we struggle and we just, we just get to that point where we're just not trusting God and we make those decisions over and over again, we can be tricked into thinking that because we failed, we don't have faith anymore. You see, when I put all those names up there and you go, wow, those guys were successful and you don't know the backstory, the same thing has happened in Christianity. And I could put a bunch of different names and actually just in faith in God in heaven. I could put a bunch of names, wonderful names, people that you hear about and you, you hear their names and you go, well, that's a man of God. Well, that person is a successful follower of Jesus. Well, they have great faith. Noah, right? David. Peter, even the guys that you kind of might know messed up, you go, they, they, they're, they're like known because they, they figured it out. They trusted God. But the number one is Abraham. Abraham is a story. You know, the story of Abraham is really simple. God picked no one from nowhere. And he said, you are going to bring the kingdom of God on earth into the world. Through your children, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed with a people group that will be my people and ultimately with a child who from you, Abraham, this child will come to earth and he will bless all the world, Jesus Christ. And Abraham was promised by God, sat down, if you read the story of Abraham and the the middle chapters are Genesis kind of 10 through 20 and a little further. You read the story of, of Abraham. What you see is that Abraham got laid down, put to sleep, and God just hovered over him and said, this will happen. You will bring a son. You will be successful. Your name and the name of your son and my name will be glorified through your offspring. But the the funny part is, is that Abraham, when this was told to him, he was old, super old. And when God told him and his wife that he would have a baby, she was barren, couldn't have one, and he was super old, that both times that they were told and heard that they were going to have a baby, they laughed. They laughed. And so their son, when they eventually have a son, his name is Isaac, which means laughter. And the idea there is what you and I always do when God says, I'm going to be faithful, even if you're not. Even if you can't perform the duty, even if you can't have the baby, I'm always going to be faithful. You see, and that's what we do, right? We go, God, come on, this depends on me. Come on, I have to be successful. I have to get it right. I have to figure life out and do it exactly how you want me to do it. And then, of course, the baby will happen. But God, like, I'm old. She's old. I mean, we'll try, God, but like, it's not going to happen. I mean, this is funny that youths are saying that a baby is going to come from us. There's just no way. There's no way this is going to happen. And so what happens is years go by with Abraham where he's promised, I mean just told, for no good reason. God just says, here, here's a gift. You're going to bring a gift. You are a gift. You're the father of many nations. You're going to be the father. 
And he laughs. I'm going to be a father. I can't even have a kid. What happens is, is after years of trying to be obedient to God, his wife, Sarah, says, you know what? This isn't going to work. you got to have a son. you got to have a son. And so she takes her mistress, Hagar, and says, here, sleep with her. Have a baby so we can fulfill God's promise. And in that moment, Abraham, after years and years of faith, after years and years of making his decisions based upon what God says, he makes his decision based upon Sarah's idea. And he agrees with it. And he goes along with it, and they have a child. And God comes along and says, this is, this is not my plan. I promised you. And in that moment, Abraham experienced huge failure. He completely lost trust in God. He completely forgot what God said. He had no more left in the tank. And he failed. And the thing about Abraham is that he is named as a faithful man, not because of that failure, but because after that failure, he kept trying to go back to God and doing the right thing. And actually, when in Hebrews chapter 11, when all these men who had great faith are listed, that part is kind of skipped, that he totally failed. Just like if I put Bill Gates up here, it's just a total like success story. We go, Abraham, oh yeah, he was successful. He was awesome. He did it. Abraham failed dramatically, but he kept going and trusting God. And it says this, after the failure, after literally sleeping with someone else, after hearing God's voice, after having a promise made to him, he failed dramatically, and he still gets listed as in a huge success story as it relates to faith. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, by faith, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful. He considered him faithful. You see, the message here is faith is where you decide to trust someone specific. And Abraham, what set him apart from the rest of us and most of us and me is that when I fail, I let my failure, failure determine my faith. I'm like, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. What really happens is I lose faith in me and I stop thinking about how faithful God is. And what made Abraham successful is not that he failed, but that he continued to put faith in God. He's like, I failed. I have another son from a mistress. But you know what? I went back to God and I said, God, I believe you will be faithful. I haven't been faithful, but I believe you will be faithful. It's your nature. And he goes all the way back to this, the promise. You made a promise that I would bless the entire world through the birth of my son. You made that promise. So I lost faith, God, but you, I know you're going to be faithful. I, 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 I know you're going to be faithful. 
You see, what happens with failure, and this is the power of faith, this is the power of, of having a failure in the midst of your faith, is what God is trying to do, you, is, do to you is separate you from himself to go, see, you're going to fail, I'm never going to fail. You're, there's a difference, there's a major difference. You're going to go up and down and miss and mess up, but I'm going to be steady, and you need to see that. And if you live your life based upon what you do that's successful, you're in trouble. Look, what, look this is just a thought. If you lose faith because you fail, you, because you fail, you're losing faith in yourself, not God. You see, if you lose faith in God when you fail, you're losing faith in yourself. You're going, I can't do it. I can't do this. And Abraham got there too. He went to the same spot. He went, I can't. We can't have a baby. I'm old. She's old. We're trying. We can't. It's not working. And so then you lose this faith and you go, I failed, I can't do it, I, can't, I failed, I can't do it. But then the difference is, do you remember that you were never designed to put faith in yourself? You were never designed to, to fix it all. You were supposed to depend upon God and his promise. So when you think about this, if you lose faith because you fail, you're losing faith in yourself, not God, which is good. Which is good. You see, the faith journey is where you just move dependence of yourself over to God over to God, his promise, his words. I failed, he won't. I'm a, I mess up all the time, he's never gonna mess up. He's never gonna let me down. He's never gonna lose his faithfulness. This is what it says in 2 Timothy. In this passage, the author is going, there's so many horrible things that can happen because we're following Jesus. And in the first century, people were being tortured and they were losing their lives and losing their homes and losing their relationships. And he's going, this is going to be so hard for us to stay faithful to God, to stay faithful to God. But he says this, he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Come on, you need to hear that. When we are faithless, when we fail, he remains faithful. God will always remain faithful. He will always do what he said he's going to do all the time without question. For he cannot disown himself. He's always going to do what he says he's going to do. It may not be when you thought it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, where it was going to happen, but he is faithful. And if you look in his word and he says, this will happen, this will come to fruition, then you can bank on that for the rest of your life. And when you fail, you got to just back up and go, okay, I failed, but he won't. Okay, I messed this up, but, I, but God, he's going to keep being faithful through this. Just share a thought. The failure in losing faith is not failing to keep the faith, but allowing your failure to convince you that God won't be faithful either. You see, guys, God's ways are not our ways. What happens is, is we let our failures be a lens for how God is and how he acts and how he's going to behave. He's nothing like me. He's nothing like you. He says things and they happen. He speaks and the earth comes into existence. He makes a promise that through Abraham, the nations would be blessed, and he keeps his promise. Abraham, on this side, is a great success. But he went through huge failure. Because faith includes failure. Faith includes failure. And that failure is going to 
be a pivot point. It's going to be a decision-making point for you to depend on God or someone else. So what's going on with you? Where have you failed? I mean, just, just for a minute, like, what do you know that God has told you to do and you just keep not doing it? You just keep failing. I mean, this could be just as simple as telling the truth versus telling a lie. Maybe you just live in a world where you just feel like, I gotta keep saying that lie and God's like, you know what? Like, you don't, you don't need to lie. Like, like, it's fine. Like, you can tell the truth and I'm gonna be faithful to you and I'm gonna protect you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you through this. But when you lie, you just continue to believe that your failure makes you not good enough to have faith in a God who's always going to be good enough. Maybe you're, you're, you're doing something unethical or immoral. Maybe you just keep, keep messing up with sexual sin or, or you keep stealing something or you, keep, you, just, you find yourself in that. Maybe you just say hurtful things all the time and you know that God has told you, like, you need to speak the truth in love. You need to love people. You need to say things that really bring grace to the people around you. And every time you do it, you're just like, I'm a failure. And every time you fail, you just feel like I'm moving further away from God. I'm moving further away from God. God doesn't accept me. God doesn't love me. I'm not good enough for God. And he's going, do you understand that I designed this whole faith journey so that when you fail, I never will and you can keep coming back to me? Can I just tell everyone today that no matter what your failure is, no matter what it is, you can start over. I want everyone to say that right now. Say, say you can start over. Say it again. Come on. Say, you can start over. You can start over right now. And remember the promise. Remember whatever it is that God has told you. And know that your failure doesn't separate you from God. It's part of the faith journey. You can start over. Come on, I want to encourage today, I want to be a day of fresh starts. I want to be a day of, of fresh beginnings because here's what happens. Is you fail. And then you get put in a category with everybody else. It's someone that's never going to make it. They're never going to be successful. They're never going to have that impact. But then you have that decision where you can say, I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to trust God again. And I'm going to start over. And what will happen is when you move forward, trusting God and doing what God says again, even though it's difficult and even though you failed, and the people around you and me and God will go, would you look at that? They kept at it. They still trust me. Why don't you guys just close your, close your eyes and bow your heads and I'm just going to ask you a question before we actually pray. How many people in the room right now, just, and I'm going to raise my hand first, just feel like that maybe they, they could start over? Just with a show of hands. Just to start over. Just something to start over. Thanks. Yeah, me too. You know what it is, and you're going, oh, this failure is defining me. It didn't define Abraham. Because he took that next step forward. So I'm going to pray that today you get a fresh start to do what God has told you to do. And if you don't know what that is, stay around. Stay around 514 Church. We are learning every day what God is asking us to do. Let me pray for you. God, I love you. I thank you so much. That faith includes failure. That when I fail, it doesn't mean that you don't love me anymore, you don't have grace for me anymore, you don't forgive me, but that I can just keep moving forward and come back to a God who will never, ever be faithless. It's your nature, God.
So today we start over. We, we, we start anew. We, we, we move forward fresh. I pray you give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.